Hey, onesies, Josh Williams here, and thanks for checking out this week's episode of the One Man Podcast. It's always free and available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, and many more, as well as on the web at onemanpodcast.com. So please, whatever platform you're listening on, like and subscribe. Uh, while you're at it, give it a rating, leave a review. Why? Because it helps the podcast, and I'd really appreciate it. How about that? What about social media? Search One Man Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's going on there. Get a little extra content for yourself. And finally, to get in touch, please send your emails to contact at onemanpodcast.com. You send it, I read it on the podcast, that's the deal. Thanks for listening, guys, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up, everybody? This is DJ Demers. I'm K. Trevor Wilson. Hey, it's Krista Allen. Hi, this is Rick Mercier. What's up, guys? This is Paul Verzi, and you are listening to the One Man Podcast. Yeah! Yeah! My name is Josh Williams, and welcome to the One Man Podcast, episode number 155 for Wednesday, April 29th, 2020. How is it going, onesies? How are you guys doing? I'm a little bit back on track with the timing. It is reasonably late on Tuesday night, so when you wake up Wednesday morning, hey, this one will be on time, and I will be talking about uh, a couple shows I watched, a couple games I played. I'll give you guys another little whiskey tidbit. Uh, today, I hope you liked the last one. Um, what else am I going to talk about? I will let you guys know how my uh, no takeout is going. Um, and I just spent actually the last like hour or so watching something with Jason downstairs that, that he was really fascinated with. And I got to tell you, I didn't, I didn't think of anything. I didn't think much of it, but I'll tell you about that too. Uh, so that's, uh, that's going to be our thing. I'll tell you about another book from DK I've been playing with this week and, uh, you know, the, the usual, I'll tell you what's going on in the next little bit for me. So jumping right into it, what do I start with here? Huh? What do I want to talk about first? Um, why not tell you guys about some of the games I played? I played another bout of, uh, don't starve together with my pal red. Um, and you know, it's just, it's just a fun game. It's surviving the wilderness. It's a really weird game. It's very Tim Burton-esque. Uh, you, it is a really unforgiving game. Like you got to be real organized. You got to know your shit and know what's going on. Um, there's all sorts of weird animals in the game. Things that you would not normally expect to be your enemy are things that normally would be your enemy aren't. Um, and then there's all sorts of like, they have like these, these no eyed deers. They've got these things called koalophants. Uh, they got all sorts of weird shit in the game. So again, it's kind of like you're, you're going, what animals do I need? And some of them are, like I said, some of them are your pals. Some of them are not. Some of them give you things that you need. Um, you go through seasons. So I think you start in the fall and it's kind of like you're dealing with fall type weather. You finally figure out how to like, you know, grow berry bushes and grow farms. And then all of a sudden the cold comes and nothing grows in the winter. You got to find new sources of food and new kind of things. Yeah, it's a great game. Red and I are having fun playing it. And uh, I'll tell you guys more about it, you know, if, if any, and if anything new comes of it, but it's kind of my thing that I do once, uh, one night or two on the weekends, I, uh, I, I hang with red and we, uh, we play, of course, you know, digitally she's in London and I'm here, but we jump on the old PlayStation chat and have some fun. Um, also I had downloaded a game earlier last week. Um, sorry, I have, I have my notes on a clipboard now. I used to tape them to the desk. Now I have my clipboard so I can pick them up, look at them, put them down, but I'm not sure how much noise you guys get in that. I pick up a pen, I'll cross it off when I talk about it and put that down, put the cap back on. Sorry if you, sorry if you can hear all that noise and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so I guess I downloaded a game and then I, I sort of opened it up to take a look at it. And I think on PlayStation, it tells 
your friends list. I guess you get like a news feed on Facebook where it's like, hey, so-and-so started playing this game. So I actually hadn't played it, but Red sent me a message going, oh, by the way, Oxenfree, which is this game that I started playing. She's like, it's a great game. You're going to love it. I'm like, did I talk about that? Like, cause I haven't played it yet. Mm-mm. And, uh, and she's like, oh no, on PlayStation said you started playing it. I'm like, oh, I, I just downloaded it. So I was kind of jazzed for that. So Oxenfree is an interesting game. Yet another sort of choose your own adventure type thing. So I guess simple premise is you and some friends go to this Island to have kind of like a rebellious, you know, we're not supposed to be on the Island at night, you know? Um, it's, I guess it's kind of this little, the little community Island with like a little town, lots of campgrounds. And, you know, there was like an old military base on it and some rich person, some rich eccentric person has like a mansion on it or whatever, but it's a relatively small Island. And, um, you guys go there for like a bonfire and then, you know, one thing kind of leads to another. And then it goes from just like this sort of, Hey, little goofy, choose your own adventure to kind of, um, odd supernatural kind of thing. I uh, don't want to spoil it at all, but, uh, I think you can get it for like 13 bucks on the PlayStation store, probably on Xbox, same price, but, uh, wow. What a, what a weird game. The choices are fun. The dialogue's kind of fun. Um, I'm, I tend to be seemingly even without my, my real efforts to be playing all these games where it's like, as something happens, you're getting all these dialogue choices. And of course they all make a difference on the end result. Now this game in particular, um, does have like the, the game sort of plays the way it's going to play every time the same way. But as you play, you can make the people that you're with dislike you or like you more or make some of them date or, you know, develop crushes on each other. That was me cracking my knuckles. Have you heard that? Um, so it's interesting. And what's really cool is when the game's over, it's not like, okay, Hey, do you want to play again? It actually plays where the events of the first one. So you kind of, I, I will say that there's a bit of a, not time travel, but like time loop sort of aspect to it. So it's really interesting that, you know, as you're playing, it's kind of like, you know, the se- you play the second time. It's like, sometimes you'll hear people say like, didn't, haven't we done this already? Like, it's kind of cool. And then what you're doing is you're almost again, kind of butterfly affecting, you know, like, Hey, if we do this, does it change the outcome? You know, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's as close to spoiling it as I'll get. But, um, in order to get all the trophies on it, I had to play it, uh, three, three times. You might have to play it more than three times. I'm just that good. Uh, <laughs> but no, the, the, um, game's quite interesting. Um, and uh, it was fun to play a few times and there's several different endings that you can get. And depending on how you play and what decisions you make throughout and yada, yada, yada. So, uh, oxen free, very cool. Uh, not what I was expecting. Um, but had a lot of fun playing it. oxen free. O X E N free, like Ollie Ollie oxen free. But I think that that, when people say, Oh, Ollie Ollie oxen free, I think what it says is all the outs in free is what it's like. Everyone's out gets to come in free you know, not getting tagged or whatever. I think that's what it is. I didn't do any research, but that's what my, uh, my opinions tell me. Um, also I watched, uh, I watched a show I'm going to go with, I, I think the first theme I'm going to cover is the, uh, red recommendation. So red and I were chatting. I, I recommended a show to her called crashing, uh, with Pete Holmes. It's a Judd Apatow produced show. And, uh, and Pete Holmes, a uh, comic is the main character in it. Hmm has all sorts of different, uh, celebrities in it. Sarah Silverman's in it, Bill Burr's in it, uh, Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller's in it. Um, at different times, these are not, these are not, uh, characters that are in all the time. Artie Lang from Mad TV, um, 
all sorts of different people. I think Rachel Feinstein's in it a bunch. Um, but yeah, so there's, they have like, you know, cameos and guest guests who are there for a whole episode. Whitney Cummings, I know is in an episode, John Mulaney. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really good show, uh, that I think, you know, starts to catch fire midway through the first season for a lot of people, but I know I watched it and burned through it in a couple of days, uh, around maybe like a week or whatever, but Jason watched it, burn through it. My mom watched it, burn through it. Um, so I recommend crashing to herds on HBO, uh, three seasons and it's done now. Um, and then red recommended to me Westworld, which I didn't know was an HBO show. I thought it was like a showtime show or something like that, but, uh, I'd heard of Westworld and I knew it had like robots in it. That's all I knew was it had like robots. And I thought it was like a Cowboys and Aliens type thing. That movie with like Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig, where it was like, oh, imagine the old West if aliens showed up. So I thought that's what, what it was kind of about. Um, but I watched just the first episode because I'm still trying to get through Ozark. I don't watch a lot of stuff. I'm spending more of my time playing games and doing like meal prep and stuff. Um, mostly playing games. I'm not trying to pretend like I'm not doing that. I'm just saying... You know, I get to, I get to play in the games and, uh, and I'm having fun with that. So, um, what do we have here? So I watched the first episode of Westworld and it was, it was not what I expected. Um, I did enjoy it. Did make me want to watch more. There's a lot of shows nowadays where I find that a lot of, a lot of the Netflix series, they'll give you kind of like, everything's like an episode. And in that episode, they throw you a few flashbacks of things that don't make sense. They'll show you like a, a particular day or event in someone's life. And you don't have any idea why they're showing it to you. And it's like, well, it's not going to make sense yet. And then, you know, three, four episodes of that. Eventually they start to put the pieces together for you for why they're showing you this. And this is so-and-so's past. And you're like, okay, I guess I get it now. And it takes a bit to get into it. Like even Ozark, I think I was a couple episodes before I, I was, I was into it. Breaking Bad took like three, four episodes, um, I will say better call Saul. I was into like after the first, first, first episode. And if not the very first episode, you know, the very first few minutes of the second episode were incredible, but I just find there's a lot of shows where you watch one episode and you're not going to be hooked after one episode, you know? Um, uh, but, but Westworld, I gotta say was, it was not what I expected. Seemed like an interesting premise. Um, seems like a lot of people who haven't watched it are familiar with it. I guess there was books based on it and there was a movie Westworld in, um, in the seventies or eighties, I believe. Um, so yeah, red was saying that, you know, you could watch the movie. It's not unwatchable. The, uh, it's, it's older, but both red and I are kind of sci-fi fans. And, uh, I think it's funny if you're not a sci-fi fan, it's weird to say, Hey, I like sci-fi because sci-fi, a lot of people think it's like star Wars and star Trek. And that's kind of it. Like, it doesn't have to have space to be science fiction. Do you know what I mean? Like the whole idea is <clears throat> you have your regular dramas, but as soon as you put in any element of interesting, like for example, Inception is a science fiction theoretically because it's like, yeah, there's action and shit in it, but you can have sci-fi action. They did that with the new Star Trek movies and Star Wars sci-fi action, but the whole idea that like science fiction doesn't have to be like nerdy space aliens. You can watch sci-fi and it's like, I mean, th I guess kind of theoretically, uh, the, the Martian is sci-fi, you know, anything that's, you know, got a lot of science in it. And, 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 and of course fictional is, I mean, that's, that's sci-fi. Like you can have horror movies that are sci-fi. So, you know, science fiction isn't, isn't just nerds dressing up at Comic-Con in case that's what you guys think it is. Like, ah, I don't like sci-fi. That's, it's not what it is. Anything that you watch, the aliens movies are sci-fi, even though they're scary. So Science is a fascinating thing, you know? Um, but yeah, this is a sci-fi show. Definitely. 
Um, and there are definitely sci-fi nerd shit that's that's not really based on any kind of you know uh, case study or anything like that. That's one of the things I liked about Star Trek: Next Generation is that they basically found a way to make like human situational case studies. Only instead of presenting it like, "Hey, what if two human being groups fought over this?" They were able to be like, "Oh, let's arrive at a planet, and these two alien species are fighting over something." So you know, you're able to look at the situation and you're able to pull yourself out of it, right? You get to see it from afar because you're not a human being with your own biases. You don't know anything about these two races. So you're sort of able to look at just the conflict and kind of, you know, come up with a resolution. There's things like where it's just like ends up being a Romeo and Juliet thing. You're like, oh, they, there's these two people in love, but their families hate each other. Like, <clears throat> is that a reason for them not to be in love? No, of course not. Anyways, all that to say is uh, Westworld was interesting. Um, I plan on watching more as soon as I get Ozark finished. I'm about halfway through the second season of Ozark and, uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Hold please. That's uh, red's famous line. Where we're playing games and she needs a second. Hold please. I just spilled my drink. I'm drinking a little bit of uh Carolyn's Irish cream here. I picked it up and it loves to just fly out of the glass. Even though it's like a, a centimeter or half an inch for my American listeners. I know the conversion is not perfect, but in the bottom of the glass, still picking it up and bring it towards my face. will shoot it out of the glass like old faithful. Um, so yeah, Westworld, more of that. What else have I got to say? Um, if you guys are watching Westworld, let me know if it gets, if it gets better or worse. Apparently I recommended it to my mom cause she's a big sci-fi person. And she said that there's like, four different worlds or whatever, according to the mains, the original story or something like that. Um, I won't say anything more than that because that might give some of the plot away, even though after the very first episode, very early into the first episode, it kind of lets you know what it is. It's for my, ah, fuck it. This is what you get. All right. You can, you get, you get three, two, one to pause it before the spoilers. Um, simple spoilers. It's just a place where, rich people can go and act out Western. Like I thought it was like, it was actually in the old West. It's not, it's like this theme park where it's like old West style and this big, you know, I guess futuristic company is making like, like human robot things, I guess. I don't know if they're, I don't know the way they're, they're grown in the laboratory makes them look like they're, they're humans, but like programmable. So I don't know if they're actually robots, but they're not real. That's the thing. They're not real. They have programming. So it's all these, they call them hosts. They host this area and people show up and it's like, there's like a bunch of different storylines. So you can go and interact with whatever you want and they'll, they'll take you to all these different, you know, you can be, you can go hunt bandits or help the sheriff or screw some brothel bitch or just, you know, go find a, go find a ranch. Like it's basically go out and live your fantasies in the old West. Um, so it's interesting, uh, in that regard. And, you know, it's kind of got the old, you know, uh, Rules of robotics. I think that's George Orwell or HG Wells or whatever it is. I think HG Wells. Yeah. It's the whole, like those, you know, from, uh, what is it? Artificial intelligence and, and bicentennial man and, you know, uh, I robot. It's all the whole, you know, uh, uh a robot shall never lie. A robot shall never kill a human. A, a robot must always obey unless the orders conflict with the first two rules. I believe those are the three rules of robotics. Uh, from HG Wells. But anyways, having said that it's that same old shit where what's the, what's the common thing with all of these stories? What's the same thing that happens in every Jurassic park movie is everything's under control. 
and then it's not. Um, is my guess. It doesn't seem to be at that point yet after the very first episode. And that's all I watched, but, um, it looks like that's probably the direction that the show is going to go in either way. I enjoyed it. I'll watch more Westworld. Kaboom. I should be getting fucking, I should get like a free, free, uh, membership or something for endorsing shows. But then again, people do that shit all the time. So where's that? I got to cross that one out. Um, what else did I do? Okay. Let's hit this. I I'm ashamed. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta address this right now. Okay. So I'm, I'm in my first month of the no takeout, right? Um, and I went through my first three, no fast food, no drive through. I did that perfect. I came close a couple times. Uh, again, if you count the, the McFlurry that was ordered to the house that I ate and I was already in it before I realized, oh, I'm not supposed to be eating this, but I didn't order it. I didn't go there and get it. That's my, I guess my one mulligan from that. Well, I've had two mulligans in, uh, the no takeout. So at one point Jason was out gallivanting and he called the house and asked if, you know, he's like, I'm going to go to Arby's. Does anyone want anything? And I jumped on the website to see, and I guess I wasn't really thinking at the time when I placed the order, but then when it was, you know, after I'd said that, I'm like, oh shit, that's takeout. I'm not supposed to have that. Um, so I did fuck up and have that. And, uh, when I say I had Arby's and fucked up, yeah, you, you better believe it. I'm not a big Arby's fan. It wasn't worth it. Shouldn't have done it. Uh, definitely got the stomach aches afterwards. Um, yeah. And in fact, what I ordered is not even what, what I ended up getting. Now it looked a lot like what I ordered, but it was like a different meat. It was missing bacon. It didn't have cheese. So I'm like, there you go. I'm, I'm paying for takeout that I'm not supposed to have. And I'm not even getting what I wanted. That's a lesson. And then, uh, and then tonight I've been sleeping all day lately, missing the beautiful sunshine. I woke up long enough today to have a cigar and a, and a glass of bourbon on the back porch, which was delightful. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, yeah, it was nice. I sat down and poured myself a nice glass of long branch, wild Turkey long branch, which happens to be, I guess, Matthew McConaughey's uh, collaborative bourbon. I don't know what his uh, involvement in is it. I could probably look it up, but all I know is that, uh, it's a nice, nice bourbon. Um, I've been sipping on that over the last week. If I'm drinking whiskey, I'm drinking long branch this last week. Uh, just in case it sounds like I'm endorsing that I drink it all the time. You know, you got to make sure guys, there's everything that we do has value. So if we're, uh, you know, if we are, are mentioning things, I want to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm not just making it sound like that's all I drink, but it's a nice bourbon. All right. I like wild Turkey. I really dig the wild Turkey rare breed. I got a bottle of wild Turkey one one. I haven't tried yet, but, uh, let me tell you right. Uh, so far the two wild turkeys that I have wrapped my lips around have been nice. I'm not sure if I've ever tried the original wild Turkey, but then again, there's a lot of bourbons that if I had drank them straight years ago, I probably would have just been like, man, I don't like this. But, uh, I remember the first time I had Buffalo trace, I was like, whoo. That is a spicy, but I think Buffalo Trace is 46% or what have you. Um, anyways, blah, 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 blah. Um, I sat on the back porch and I smoked a, a little backwoods cigar and, uh, and sipped on a, a wild turkey and, uh, and just sort of enjoyed the sun. I enjoyed the temperature. I was sitting in just, you know, uh, I guess workout shorts, basketball shorts, whatever, and, uh, and a t-shirt. It was great. I listened to a podcast. Oh my God. Can you tell it's three o'clock in the morning? Um, yeah, sipped on a, sipped on a whiskey, listened to a podcast, smoked my cigar, enjoyed the sunshine. And then uh, I came back in and since it was the first thing that I had done all day, I think I had a bowl of soup and was like, well, I'm ready to go back to bed. And then I woke up at 10 PM and, uh, and I didn't feel like cooking. Didn't 
didn't. And I know that's the whole point of this whole no takeout and everything like that is that, you know, you got, you got food and time at home. You make something you don't order, but I miss pizza guys. I miss pizza. It's not that I was having it all the time, but I don't know. It's just having a lazy day. I think, um, I think something inside me is a little depressed at the moment too. So part of me was really fighting that whole, uh, comfort food thing. I want to eat a pizza and watch TV and not think and not work and all that stuff. Not to mention that, uh, uh, Jason had someone over all day. They were changing tires in the kitchen, but I'm like, anytime they're just people over during this whole COVID thing, I'm like, yeah, I like to distance myself. So I'm like, nope, I'll order food and I'll stick to myself. I'm not going to spend time in the kitchen. Ah, you know, I can make excuses. I fucked up. So I got, I got two mulligans, although the pizza one was deliberate and part of me is already like, well, what if I did like, I, what if I could have a takeout pizza once a month? I really like pizza and I serve that. I I'm trying to, I'm squashing that. I'm not going to make it accessible. I'm not going to give loopholes or, or whatever. I can buy frozen pizzas or I can make my own pizza if I really, really want one. So, <clears throat> so I fucked up. I'm owning it. Uh, slip stutter back on track again. Like I said, it was even this evening and, and I knew going into it that I was breaking the rule. So I'm not like, oops, I forgot or anything like that. I, I knew I was doing it. I chose to break my own rule. Um, but I'm human. So rather than being like, well, it's off the rails and doesn't count and just let it all fall apart. I have done four pretty good months of sticking to these rules only fucked up three times. That's less than once a month. Um, it's forgivable. I'm going to try not to. And I even thought about it the way the podcast, like I used to be so proud of the fact that I was never late in the podcast. And over the last few months, I have been late so many times. Cause it's one of those things you start, you know, once you do it twice, you know, nah, the world doesn't end when I fuck up and then you kind of just let it slip. So I'm, I'm making sure I get this podcast recorded tonight as sort of my penance. Cause I could have just been like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'll do it tomorrow. And I'll do it. I always do. I'll wait till the end of the day to do it. Find other things. No, this is getting done. Cause I loves y'all. I loves y'all very much. So I want to make sure this is here for you. This, this wonderful podcast that Lord knows what I'm saying or what I'm doing with it. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, to do that. So, so, you know, if I was like, oh, well, I'm continuing my no takeout, which I am, there'd be a flag on the play. Whoop, flag on the play. What is this? What is this? We, uh, we did a stool sample, uh, Mr. Williams. We found traces of Arby's and uh, pizza. This is a uh, delivery or sorry. Yes. It's a takeout pizza. This is not, uh, not available at home. It was pizza pizza. If it makes you feel any better. So I ate shit fast food takeout and I ate shit pizza. Uh, it doesn't make it any better, but just know that my insides are punishing me <laughs> a little bit on that. So, um, yeah, what else? Um, I, I watched a show tonight with Jay. Um, this is something I guess him and Colin were watching, but Colin was drunk and passed out on the couch. So it just ended up being me and Jay watching it. And it's a show called the masked singer. Apparently him and his girlfriend are into it and they watch it all the time. Um, I don't want to come across as judgmental. I don't. I probably will. I'll try not to. I really don't like reality shows, guys. Reality TV shows. Like I watched, there's this, I saw a trailer for this new one on Netflix, which is like too hot to handle, I think is what it's called. And it's like, we put a bunch of hot people together whose hormones are out of control and they're going to win $100,000, but they got to not fuck. And it's like, really? That's, that's your problem? You're going to put a bunch of good looking people together and see if they can not fuck each other. I'm like, I could win that show. It's obviously because no one would want to fuck me, but it's just like, it's just basically like I, I, the, the premise is disgusting to me, not because they're hot people. I don't, I just see good looking people all the time, more power to you. But the idea that there, there's a show about it, it's like, man, how could you not fuck this person? You could win a hundred thousand dollars and all you have to do is not fuck. 
I'd be like, well, the, both of those options are not on the table for me, but I just think it's, I just think it's a, it's a really sleazy premise for a show. All it is, is drama, right? Drama, drama, drama. Um, these, these, the voice in America's got, ta- like, I know all, all of these different shows. I'm really not about them. I'm really not. Um, there's a lot of manipulation that happens on those shows. Um, in terms of like trying to make you feel things like, for example, my buddy DJ Demers, uh, is hearing impaired. He was on America's Got Talent. I've, there's an interview with, uh, with me and DJ, um, in, uh, in the older episodes, you can go back through one man podcast and listen to my interview with DJ. And we, we talk about that. Uh, DJ was on America's Got Talent. He's hearing impaired. And, and now he does jokes about how he was on there and he lost like the second episode into a juggler. But, but they love the, his joke about it is great. I don't want to spoil it. If you want to Google DJ Demers, America's Got Talent, whatever, like you'll, you'll see, a, you'll see his performance on there, which is fucking great. And you'll hear, you'll probably be able to find his standup where he jokes about it. And he just talks about how all those shows love disability porn. They're like, you know, they basically like, Hey, can you really play off the play up the, the fact that you have hearing aids? Like, I don't really need to do that. My buddy, Sam J. Comroe, uh, Sammy and I performed at the communist a few years ago. And Sam, uh, this is funny. It's actually both, this was this, uh, Jimmy and Mika came to see me in Montreal. Great friends, uh, came to see me in Montreal. We watched Sam perform. Uh, I hosted and Sam was headlining and we got to see that. Um, and then Sammy, Sammy, but he's got Tourette's. So, and he was on America's Got Talent again, same thing. They made him play up the, you know, focus on the disability. So there's a lot of these shows that are like, we brought on people with disabilities and pull at your heartstrings and look, they're, they're really able to to, to, you know, make you feel like, oh, I've, I've, I've come so far despite these terrible, terrible disabilities and all this stuff. And it's like, there's lots of people, you know, I'm not, I'm not downplaying them good for them. And that's amazing, but it's even just like, I don't know when you know more about the entertainment industry and you're like how they cast shit and how they portray it and how they spin it. And it's like, you know, and my buddy DJ's joke, he talks about how like, no, I'm hearing impaired, but I'm a happy guy. I have a good life. And they're like, oh, could you could you like maybe cry more on camera or could you be more sad about it? It's like, they really want you to be like, you're, you know, they, they try to make you feel like your life is horrible. And that's why you really need this show and really need this opportunity and shit like that. Like just no, you guys watch reality TV shows and you got these kind of people and shit on it. Just that's, that's the shit that you're, you're watching. All right. Fucking rant festival. Um, <laughs> uh, those, the masked singer is they get celebrities to come on and sing, but they're dressed in stupid costumes and you're trying to guess based on their voice and their mannerisms and some of the clues they give, uh, whether or not like who it is basically. And, and I guess every episode they all do a little song and dance. Uh, Jenny McCarthy's one of the judges. Uh, I saw, uh, Jamie Fox, Ken Jeong, who's one of the most unfunny human beings I've ever seen in my life. Um, he's one of the, the panel guys, Alan Thick's son. I don't know, Billy Thick or whatever the fuck his name. I don't know what his name is. Oh, Rob, Robin Thick. Sorry. I apologize. Uh, Billy Thick is funnier, but, um, I don't know. I've never heard of that kid before. He's on there. Some chick from the Pussycat Dolls. Don't know her name. Couldn't even guess it right now. Um, and who else was on? So Jamie Foxx, Ken Jeong, Jenny McCarthy, Robin Thicke. And then, yeah. Okay. So those were the five judges. Um, everyone performed. None of them seemed to be right with their guesses or anything like that. Like, 
It, and Jay's, well, oh yeah, and Noreen and I are now, we're addicted to the show. We watch it all the time. And now we're at the point where we actually watch it the night it comes on and together. And it's, and I go, oh my God, let me guess you watch it. And she cries. He goes, yeah, I fucking, I cried. It's like, there's nothing to cry about. It's someone singing. There's no sad stories or anything. They're singing. These are celebrities that are singing. And it's like, guess who I am? You know, honestly, it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. You can go on YouTube and you can watch the entire first and second season revealed in 12 minutes where it's like where they get unmasked and you see who it was singing the whole time, a quick little sh example, of their performance and then who it was underneath. And a lot of them are has-beens. Um, so they found a way to get has-beens back in the lane. <laughs> um, anyways, that was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. Um, but that's, that's how I just spent probably the last hour or so prior to this of my evening. Um, okay. I had a fun little night of games last night, guys. I, played um i played on my playstation vr first time since quarantine i uh, got jumped in the shower right because it's easy a lot of us are posting videos about going you know two sometimes three days without a shower those of us who are stuck home by the way if anyone with a job every day is like going oh my god some of us are stuck home with nothing to do avoiding our roommates like the plague as our roommates wrote gallivanting all over the place doing whatever they want um so I had a shower, cleaned myself up and stuck my, my VR helmet on. And I played, uh, three different games. I played a game called static and static is this really interesting game where you've basically got your hands uh, there's about eight levels, eight or nine different levels. And you've got your hands in a box and think of this like a, like a thing, uh, like, like a Rubik's cube on fucking steroids. So in the VR, you, you know, you're holding a controller in your hand. The controller has the triggers, the buttons, the, the move sticks, all that stuff. But of course, when you have the virtual reality helmet on, you look down and your hands are, are it, like, you basically have your hands in a box. Think about if you had like a little, one of those little, like under your bed safes. Well, imagine if there was two holes in the front of it that you just stick your hands into and you're holding that. So there's some of them have numbers on them and dials and switches and, and little tape recorders. And they every level is different. Every box is different. And you turn your hands around and, you know, with the controller. And of course in the VR, your hands are just moving around inside this box. So you're trying to, you're trying to solve these puzzles. It's basically a puzzle game, but every single one of the levels is your hands in this box and trying to figure out how to unlock the box. You're sitting in what seems to be like a test laboratory strapped to a chair. And then you've got your hands in this box. So you don't really have access to anything, but turning it around and maneuvering things. You look around the rooms that you're in and, and there's little clues and things of how to solve these puzzles. Um, but fun game. I, I finished that last night. Um, I'd already played it before, but I went into, to finish up the last little bit of it and it was fun. Um, I also played, I was dicking around looking for some VR stuff on the store and I found, uh, a Spider-Man far from home VR experience. I believe that they had one for homecoming and it was just where you're standing on a roof in VR. Now again, VR virtual reality. If I didn't already say this for anyone who's like, what's VR, what's VR virtual reality. And so of course, if you've never been in VR, once you put a VR helmet on, uh, you're in that environment, you look around and it feels like you're in that environment. Um, so for the Spider-Man homecoming VR experience that I played a while back, you're just standing on a roof and you're shooting web, you know, targets with your webs and you're making different kinds of webs like a net or this or that. And then at one point that walks you over to the edge of a building and it shows you a crane and a crane's falling. So it gets you to, to web and zip up to it, right? You don't really get to see much of the zip up because you're already right, kind of right underneath the crane. And you look around and you sort of 
I think you do like a couple little repairs to the crane or whatever. And they're like, all right, you ready? Oh, Spider-Man, there's a crime. All right, let's get to it. And he, he just shoots a web and right as you go to step off and swing, it fades to black. And that's the end of the experience. It's free. Don't get me wrong. It's free. So what do I expect? But I was like, fuck the one thing I'd love to do is to like literally be in virtual reality and see what it's like to swing, you know, from buildings as Spider-Man, it fades out to black. Well, the Spider-Man far from home, uh, experience, uh, allows you to, uh, swing from, from buildings and let you see what it's like. So I was really excited to try that out. And when you first, you know, do it, you're standing in his room. So it's like, put on your mask and, you know, open the drawer, put on your mask. You can, you can web the boxes and stuff in his room, his globe, and just kind of throw it across the room with the webs. But then it puts you on what I believe is the George Washington bridge. And it teaches you how to, how to like run, how to jump, you know, how to shoot your webs, how to reload them when they're empty. Um, and then, you know, how to make like a web net and you're like, okay. And then, and then right when you get to finally jump and climb up the side of the, the bridge a little bit, it's, it's, it fades you into the story part, which isn't really, isn't much of anything. It's kind of more just swinging around, but now you're staying on top of a high, a full skyscraper and it's like, all right, let's, uh, let's get started, Pete. And it's Ned talking to you in yours. You're like, all right, uh, get going. And it tells, tells you to run off the side of the building. And I was like, uh, and it's a tall one. It doesn't have you on this tiny little, you know, three, four story thing. It's got you up at the top, top of a huge skyscraper in the middle of Manhattan. And he's like, all right, go ahead, Pete, run off. And I was just like, uh, I was nervous. Cause again, you're in VR, right? So you're looking around and I still didn't quite have the hang of the controls, but I was like, fuck it. I'm in VR. I know it's fake. And I just ran off the side of the building. And then I started falling and plummeting towards the ground. And I got that weightless queasy feeling in my stomach. Like I've like the vertigo feeling. I was like, Oh my God. And then I just, I fired a web at the building across the way and it caught. And then I did the first swing. And I was like, Oh cool. And fired another web and swung again. I was like, Oh, this is neat. Like I was giggling doing it because it was so interesting and cool. I was like, Oh my God, this is so fucking weird. You know? And then, you know, a couple of times I'd fuck him like, oh shit, oh shit, I'm falling. And then just right, right at the moment, it'd be like, I was at a web fluid and I was like, oh, why isn't it doing it? And I would remember, okay. And, and refill it right in time to fire another web and swing back before I hit the ground. Um, but it was fun. I probably spent like an hour just swinging around, you know, the, the graphics were not really strong in it. There's the spider band game I played recently, which is not VR, uh, way better city design, everything like that. Um, this is also a free game and not designed for VR. So, um, I enjoyed it. I fucked around with it for an hour, but you know, I was done. I deleted it and, and, and that was that, but really, really, really cool. Like definitely, uh, like I said, I, in the Spider-Man game at no point, because I'm just sitting here staring at my TV at no point was I like, it, you know, afraid because you just, you're falling. And then if you hit the ground, actually he just kind of like rolls when he hits the ground. He doesn't really never gets hurt from falling, uh, in the Spider-Man game. But in the VR experience, well, you don't die either, but it was just one of those like, you know, like, fuck, I'm falling. You really have the feeling of falling when you run off the side of the buildings and stuff. So, um, it was cool. It was really, really cool. Um, and then the other game I played was Astrobot Rescue Mission. So when you first buy a VR, they give you a game called, I believe it's called the Playroom VR. And it's made by Japan Studio. And they have these cute little robots running around that give you a chance to play all these different sort of type games. Um, you know, Ghostbuster type games and, and, you know, 
uh, fuck, I don't know what to call it. Spot the difference, I guess, type games. You go into a saloon and there's like, you know, the, they'll show a wanted poster and it'll be like, this guy has on like a red hat and a blue, blue eye patch and then a, a red scar. And you know, five guys will turn around and you got to like match the, which one has all of those aspects. And then you shoot him with a little, you know, plunger, plunger gun. And it, you know, then they come and arrest him and take him away. And then it's the next one They just fun, easy VR kind of stuff. Great games, simple, quick play, also free with VR. So it's just one of those, like it was really cool, but there was one particular, uh, thing in it where it was like Astrobot. Like you play this little kind of like almost like Mario 64, where you're running around on platforms, collecting coins, you're collecting other little buddies who are sort of stuck, you know, in hidden places and stuff like that. But it was great. It was really cool. Probably the best game on there. Um, lots and lots of fun. Well, I guess that it was so popular. They're like, why don't we make a game? Uh, a full on game. And they did. And it's called Astrobot Rescue Mission. Super, super immersive, super cool. Probably so far. I'm not, I haven't played all of them. Um, but probably the coolest game I've played in VR, uh, so far. Moss was really good, but I, I have to say that, that Astrobot Rescue Mission, probably one of the, probably the best game I've ever played in VR. Uh, hands down, very, very popular, uh, long game, lots to do in it. Incredibly, incredibly visual, cartoony enough so that it doesn't, you know, some of the ones that are supposed to be realistic are like, you know, you, it doesn't feel like reality because it's not quite there graphically. I think the until dawn rush of blood is pretty creepy, but it's still not super realistic. It's just a horror game. It's freaky, but because it's not, it's not, uh, the, the, the character models aren't that realistic. Um, yeah, some of it's lost. So the thing is the fact that it's kind of cartoony and Astrobot, you're level to take the immersion because you're, you're sorry, you're able to take the immersion because you're not like, oh, it doesn't look real, but it's trying to be real. No, it's, it looks like it's a cartoon. It looks like you're in a cartoon world and, uh, but it works. So, uh, had a blast playing that an absolute blast. Um, and very much like Mario 64, in the sense that it's different platforms, different types of world, like tropical and fire and all these different things. Um, yeah, this little Astrobot character that Japan Studio made, I could definitely see him sticking around um, for other types of, of VR games and stuff. Very good game. Very, very good game. Oh, uh, what time? Oh, 36 minutes. Look at me. Crushing time. Hope it's interesting. You guys can always send me emails. Contact at onemanpodcast.com. Send me emails. I'll talk about what you guys want to talk about. Um... All right. And then, uh, I'll give you my whiskey tidbit before I uh, talk about the DK book that I read this week. So last week I talked about age statements and what it means when you see an age on the bottle of whiskey. Well, this week I'm going to tell you about the types of whiskey. So a lot of people are like, Hey, what's, uh, you know, a lot of people saying, I don't, I don't like whiskey, but I like bourbon. I'm like, okay, well, well, bourbon is a whiskey. So let's start with what does whiskey mean? Cause there's bourbon, rye, scotch, a bunch of different types. And so but if they're all whiskeys, then what does whiskey mean? Well, whiskey is a term. Basically, whiskey comes from the old Gaelic uh, ushkabeta, which is water of life. And uh, ushkabeta was uh, shortened to uski and then whiskey. But it basically just means grain alcohol aged. That's what whiskey is. Grain alcohol aged. So bourbon is grain alcohol aged. Scotch is grain alcohol aged. Rye is grain alcohol aged. So what's grain alcohol aged. I'm like, raged. Um, it is 
so let's let's talk first. Well, basically, the name, a lot of the names, uh, will refer to something that's called the mash bill. So a mash bill, what that is, is basically the recipe of the whiskey. All right. What went into it? Is it, you know, the corn? Is it barley? Is it rye? Is it other grains? Um, you know, there's generally speaking four, and I can't remember what the fourth is, but, but barley, malt, uh, sorry, barley, malted barley, uh, corn, rye. And then I think it's other, like other grains, like wheat or something like that. Um, I'll find out for next week. Um, but basically the, the differences is so like, there's other, there's other kinds of whiskeys too, but those are the three main ones. And I will, I will sort of describe what they mean. Remember, keep in mind, whiskey just means grain alcohol aged. All right. And they do make whiskeys in other parts of the world, like Japan and, you know, India and things like that. I think India is the world's biggest consumer of scotch whiskey, but, uh, I'll give you, before I get into the mash bills too much and the different kinds, um, I'll give you this little piece of, of whiskey tidbit is, I don't know if you've ever noticed this. Some people have, some people haven't. And it's just one of those, huh, it's weird. And they think it's a different thing. It's not is, um, some places spell whiskey W H I S K E Y. And some of them spell it W H I S K Y. Some of them have an E, some of them do not. And it's kind of like, oh, what's, is there a difference between them? Uh, no. Um, in fact, the difference is mainly, so, uh, in, uh, in Scotland, which is generally speaking, the kind of like the birthplace of the modern whiskeys, you know, some people are like, oh, well back in, in, you know, the middle East and that's, uh, you know, there, like the first recorded whiskey distillery is, uh, I can't remember, I think 1600s or the 1500s. Um, but Scotland, generally speaking is where the story starts for a lot of it. And they spelled it W H I S K Y no E. And, uh, Ireland started making uh, whiskey afterwards and they wanted to get their product on the market. And what they did in order to differentiate themselves on the market was they put an E in the word whiskey, W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. Um, and so the only difference was the spelling. It didn't change all effectively with the product. It's still whiskey, but they just put an E in it. So you just at a glance could look at a bottle and go, oh, it's an E, it's from Ireland. It's Irish whiskey. Um and then other countries, of course, you know, started making whiskey and some of them spell it with an E and some of them don't. So, uh, the general rule, well, I mean, there's an easier rule of thumb and I'll tell you in a second, but the general rule of thumb is if you're looking at whiskey and you see that it has, um, basically depending on where they got their roots from their influence, uh, denotes whether or not they spell with an E or not. So for example, um, for Scotland, all right, Scotch, uh, generally Japanese whiskey and Canadian whiskey got their roots in from Scottish whiskey. Um, so they don't spell it with an E they spell it with just, just S K Y and, uh, America, their, their roots start more Irish whiskey. So they spell it with an E. Um, now that's one way of going, Oh, where, where are their roots? Okay. Well, they'll spell it with an E the actual, the easier way to know, and this is just regular whiskey trivia is the country's name. So for example, if the country, the name of the country spell is spelled without an E, um, they won't spell whiskey with an E. And if they do, they will. So for example, Scotland, there's no E in the word Scotland, Japan, there's no E in the word Japan and Canada, there's no E in Canada. Well, none of them spell whiskey. And e. But Ireland and America do have E's 
and they spell it with E. So there you go. Next time you're in a, you know, if you're talking conversation whiskey, you can point to the bottles and, you know, you'll be able to look if you know where, like, generally speaking, you're never going to see a bottle of bourbon that doesn't have an E in the word whiskey because bourbon's made in America. And I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, if it's, if it's in America or Ireland, it's going to have an E. If it's Japan, Canada, or Scotland, it won't. Um, so there you go. Some whiskey, a little bit of whiskey trivia for you in that regard, but getting back to the different types of whiskey and the mash bills. So bourbon, rye, and scotch. So let's start with bourbon. Bourbon is, uh, basically there's other rules to it, but the easy answer is 51% or more corn on the mash bill. So if you want to be called a bourbon, you got to be made with 51% or more corn. Now there's also other rules, um, for that. So for example, it doesn't mean that it's 51% only, but it could have 51% corn and it'll be a bourbon. Even if the other 49% is, you know, uh, rye or barley or any mix of the other ones, 51% or more corn, it's a bourbon. Okay. Um, same with rye. It's got to be 51% of, uh, rye. Uh, bourbon and more, but you could have, you could have 80%, uh, you know, bourbon, you'd have 15% rye, you'd have 5% barley. It all depends on the taste profile you're going for. But if it's, you know, predominantly right, uh, corn, it's, it's going to be a bourbon. Um, I wonder, I I'll see eh, if anyone's interested, you guys let me know if you're interested and I'll see if I can find like a bourbon that's like that, that basically walks that line where it's 51% corn. Um, they have a lot of very strong rules in the, um, in the States too, for bourbon. So bourbon, generally speaking, only comes from the United States, but the rules, like the legal rules for it being called bourbon is not only does that be 51% or more corn, but it actually has to be aged, um, in brand new American oak barrels, um, which, you know, toasted on the inside or whatever, but, but toasted has to be brand new toasted, never held anything before American oak barrels for it to be considered bourbon. Um, they also have rules for like, I believe it's two to four years in order for it to be called Kentucky, for it to be called straight bourbon. Um, it has to be aged at least two years. Um, and then there's, there's one that's, there's another fucking term and I think it's four and I can't remember exactly, uh, which, which one that is. So straight bourbon, um, yeah. So, so, you know, there'll be like bourbon and it means it's not necessarily aged as long as someone. So straight bourbon has to be aged for a certain amount of time. Um, as I was telling you guys last week, the angel share is, is tougher. That's the, the amount of evaporation, uh, in a barrel that's way tougher in, uh, in the States and Kentucky, uh, because it's way hotter. So you lose way more to evaporation. That's why they don't have 10 and 20. There are some, but that's why you don't see a lot of 10, 12, 16 year old bourbons because by the time they're that old, there's fucking nothing left in the barrel. It's all been lost to evaporation. So generally speaking, you're not aging your bourbons, uh, as long, but they still require some aging, right? Because they're whiskey. What does whiskey mean? Grain alcohol aged. So, um, getting back to bourbon, like I said, there's rules. So 51% or more corn, um, it has to be aged in brand new American oak barrels and it has to be stored at least, uh, at least two years for to be called straight. I'll, I'll get the numbers for you guys in the next episode. I don't want to pause and go doing a bunch of research. It's late. I want to go to bed. Uh, but, uh, so that's, that's your bourbon, your short answer for bourbon, 51% or more corn. And then you get those other rules too. Now, rye, same thing. Mash bill has to be 51% or more rye for it to be considered right. And that's, that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Rye is a spicier one. Rye in terms of the range of, of whiskeys, rye has the least amount of range. Doesn't mean it's not good or whatever, if that's what your tastes are, but it has the least amount of range because rye is a very overpowering, um, 
very overpowering uh, uh, flavor. Now, um, there's been some whiskeys that have been awarded, uh, like some, some rise. Uh, I know that, that crown Royal, Royal harvest, Northern harvest, sorry, crown Royal, Northern harvest rye, uh, won a, uh, Jim Murray's, uh, Jim Murray whiskey Bibles. I believe it was 2016 or 2017, maybe even 18, but I don't think it was 18. Um, whiskey of the year, world whiskey of the year. Um, and it, I know that it's mash bill was, uh, 90% rye. And I don't know what the other 10% was. It just says that just said 90%. I think the other 10 probably would be a, more of a barley wheat. I don't think there'd be a lot of corn to it. Um, generally speaking, cause crown Royal is made up here, if I'm not mistaken in Canada, and we don't really have a shitload of corn growing here. Um, it's possible, but just uh, who knows? All I know is that it is stated it's 90% rye. Well, uh, Canadian club has a, um, has a 100% rye, um, um, whiskey. So if you want to try what just rye tastes like, you'll, uh, you'll get a, a good taste for that. Now, moving on to my favorite category of whiskey, scotch whiskey. Um, so scotch is, uh, oh boy, scotch's rule is in order for it to be called legally scotch whiskey, it has to be a made in Scotland. Okay. B aged at least three years in Scotland and C has to go into a cask that has held something else before. Um, and that was interesting to me because I thought, so when it was like aged three years in Scotland, I was like, oh, why, why, what's, what's the, you know, what's the pretense in that of, you know, like, are they just being pretentious? Like, no, it's gotta be aged here. If it's going to be called scotch. Well, I didn't, when I first got into whiskey, I didn't really understand why that was. I also didn't understand why it had to be in a barrel that held something else. I now do. And I'll explain that momentarily. But, um, when you are, uh, when whiskey, so much of it is where it's aged and the environment it's aged in so much of what goes into that taste has to do with where it's aged. So to, to make something in Scotland, throw it in a barrel and then immediately ship it out of the country, you're not getting that, that, that sea salt sort of air. You're not getting the, the characteristics of the temperature. It's not breathing in the, the, you know, the Scottish air, if you will. And I know that sounds, maybe it's like, it's not breathing Scottish air. Well, it's like, there's a lot to the environment that really affects, like, that's why they have to be aged for years is because when it's hot, it, it, you know, it expands and sucks the whiskey into the wood. And then when it's cold, it contracts and pushes, forces the whiskey back out. And then it sucks it back into the wood and pushes it back out. And this is all happening seasonally. It's not every day. This is seasonally. So it takes years to pull the whiskey in and push it back out and pull it in. And all the while it's pulling in air and it's pulling in moisture and it's pulling in humidity. It's pulling in all these different characteristics of the country that it's made in. And a lot of my favorite whiskeys like Laphroaig, Lagavulin, Ardbeg are right on the ocean, like right on a tiny little island, right on the ocean. I was standing in Laphroaig. I got a picture of me standing five feet from the ocean, you know, on, on their properties outside their warehouse. And it's just like, this is this is the, the salt water air that's breathed in the brininess and everything like that. This is all breathed in, you know, um, for years it's pulling in these, these smells and these tastes and these flavors and things like that. Um, so it definitely makes a difference where it's aged because if it's aged somewhere else, it's not going to get those characteristics and all over the island, you know, all over Scotland, there's different parts that have different characteristics. Now, so scotch, 
Rule number one, made in Scotland. Rule number two, has to be aged at least three years of Scotland, in Scotland just to be able to get some of those characteristics. Third rule, has to be in a barrel that's held something else before. So again, my what I was telling you guys about bourbon, uh, how bourbon uh, needs to be in a brand new American oak barrel. Um, well, whiskey has to be in, aged in a barrel that has held something else first. Usually, usually bourbon barrels or uh, sherry barrels, but whether it's Pedro Jimenez, uh, sherry or Oloroso sherry casks, um, generally speaking, uh, scotch is aged in, in something that has held something else before. And scotch is made predominantly with malted barley. There's other grains you can use too. And I'll tell you guys about, uh, I'll do, I'll do the whole single malt and blended whiskey and all that stuff. Another episode, but, um, basically, um, American oak barrels, uh, bourbon has to be aged in brand new American oak barrels because it's getting a lot of the oakiness and things like that. Not to mention the fact that there's tannins in the wood. So when people are referring to tannins in wine, it's because there's, you know, barrel aging and things like that. And the, the wine will pull tannins out of the wood and those kind of things like that. You can taste taste and tannins will also some of somewhat can give you the, the headache and stuff like that from drinking uh red wine. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, it, it's funny because in, in the corn, in, uh, the bourbon can stand up to those tannins. Those tannins don't overpower the taste of the bourbon. However, the tannins, uh, in brand new wood when aging scotch, because it's malted barley, the barley can't stand up and the tannins kind of overpower or case of, uh, are capable, sorry, of drastically changing the taste of the whiskey because the tannins. So the reason that scotch is aged in something that's held something else before is again, it's not a pretentiousness or anything like that. It's that something else has already gone in and pulled a lot of those tannins out. So now you can age it in there. Keep in mind two scotch ages a lot longer. So it pulls even more of those tannins. out. So you need something else that was in it first that pulled that shit out of the wood, giving you an opportunity to age a scotch, which is also one of the reasons that what kind of former barrel scotch was aged in is going to give you uh, different uh, flavor profiles of the scotch itself. So if you're trying to buy scotch, you can pick up you know, the box and look at it and go, what kind of casks were these aged in? Oh, they were aged in bourbon casks. Oh, it was aged in a Pedro Menes Sherry, uh, cask, you know, um, there's, there's also ones that have got, you know, held other things too. And you'll see that with, with, um, with some bourbons and things like that, like you'll read on them and you'll see that they were finished in another kind of cask. So you have, you know, started in one and it changed. I got an Akintoshan that I'm staring at right now, uh, on a shelf here, which is Akintoshan three wood, which is, which is finished in three different kinds of casks. Um, no age statement on the box either. So the idea is it's really cool to, to, once you understand the, the differences and, and know what's the taste profile going to be like. So scotch, uh, has to be in, in something that is held another thing first. So what's the difference between scotch whiskey and, uh, sorry, scotch rye and bourbon bourbon is 51% or more corn has to be, uh, made in America and has to be aged in brand new American oak barrels. Also the, just here, I may as well throw this little piece of trivia out too, cause I can't think of a place I'd put it where else is uh, bourbon also has the rule that you are not allowed to barrel it at more than 150 proof. So it cannot go into the barrel. Uh, more than 75 proof. Remember poof, you just proof, I'm a poof, poof, proof. It's getting late and I've been drinking, um, 150 proof. So if you want to know when someone says, oh, this is, I, I got an 80 proof, uh, whiskey at home. Well, 
I used to think, oh, 80 proof is that is proof that, you know, is that just another way of saying percentage? Um, it is, but it's not the same value. So eight, like proof is you divide it by two and that's what the ABV alcohol by volume, uh, is. So 80 proof is 40%. 40% is your average alcohol in a spirit. So yeah, you got an 80 proof. Congratulations. You have alcohol. Stupid Americans. No, <laughs> just in case. My American friends listening hear about the 40% alcohol and go, oh my God, I got 80 proof. It's the same thing. So bourbon cannot go into a barrel legally at more than 150 proof. So it can't go into the barrel at more than 75%. And it cannot be bottled. It is not allowed to be bottled at more than 125 proof. So if you find a bourbon, all right, and here's where I'll, I'll give you one more little tidbit or whatever, um, cannot go into the barrel or sorry, bottle at more than 125 proof, which is what 62.5%. So a lot of them, if you see a 62.5% bourbon, know that that is it. That is as high as she goes legally without having that proof down thing that I was telling you guys about the last episode where they have to add water because otherwise they can't legally bottle it. It's tested and it's regulated and they cannot legally bottle it at more than 62.5%. That's just the law. Um, but Josh, didn't you tell us that you bought a bottle of Jack Daniels at 65%? Why, yes, I did. And while Jack Daniels is tech, uh, technically, no. While ja well, technically, I guess, based on the mash bill, Jack Daniels is technically a bourbon um, based on its, you know, uh, mash bill. However, Jack Daniels is not a bourbon. Jack Daniels is a Tennessee whiskey. And that's what it says right in the bottle. There are two different Tennessee whiskeys. One is Jack Daniels and the other, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've been asked actually a few times. I've never looked it up. I should, but Jack Daniels and one other company are the only ones called Tennessee whiskey. Now it is not a higher level of, of accolade or anything like that. It's just a different process. They do uh, something with uh, maple charcoal mellowing, which is basically they run before they uh, barrel the, the, the whiskey, they run it through like charcoal to basically do a, an extra filtration process. And that's what's called Tennessee whiskey. But because it's Tennessee whiskey, it doesn't have to follow the rules of bourbon, which means it doesn't have to go into the bottle at, it doesn't, you know, it has to be, it doesn't have to be barreled at a certain percentage and it doesn't have to be bottled at a percentage. So the Jack Daniels, uh, barrel proof that I have at 65%, I, that, exists because it's not a bourbon. So that's where having the rules makes a difference. There's actually some, uh, bourbons that are being aged in different kinds of barrels other than American Oak. But what they do is they actually, before they bottle it the other thing, they actually pour, they like take both ends of a barrel off and just pour through the round staves and pour the bourbon through it. Like let it run along the inside of the, the barrel because technically there's no length on how long it has to be aged Now, In order to be called straight bourbon, it has to have the two year thing, but it can still be called bourbon if it's been aged in American oil. Well, technically running it along the barrel as aging and it's not doing a whole lot of influence or whatever, but it did technically go through an American oak barrel. So it can be called bourbon and then they can age it in something else. So it's like, you're not breaking the law in that regard. You know what I mean? It's like getting off on a technicality or whatever, but you still call yourself bourbon because you ran it through a barrel that was brand new American Oak. Um, 
but yeah, so for terms of Jack Daniels, it's a Tennessee whiskey. Now you know the difference. If you're looking and it says bourbon, well, you you know it's 51% or more corn. You know it was made in the States. You know it was aged in American, brand new American uh, oak barrels. Um, and Jack Daniels uh, is a Tennessee whiskey. They use the, uh, the, the charcoal filtering, uh, maple charcoal filtering for it. They call it mellowing. Um, so yeah, that's what, uh, that's what a Tennessee whiskey is versus a bourbon. You know what a rye is now and a scotch. And what I think is really cool too, is like I said, the scotch has to be in a, in a barrel that's held something else first. Uh, fuck, have I been talking about whiskey for 20 minutes? I like, I like whiskey guys. I enjoy whiskey. I enjoy learning. This is me giving you like a little whiskey tidbit and it's 20 minutes long. I hope, I hope it's fascinating to you though. I hope you're learning something at least. Um, what's cool about, um, <laughs> This is something I, I learned. I can't remember what company it is. I don't think it's Macallan, but one of the big, or Glenmorangie, or one of the big Scotch companies uh, in Scotland, they own. Now, don't don't get me wrong. A lot of the big Scotch companies, some of them are owned by uh, Diageo, which owns you know lots of alcohol and spirit companies all over the world. But um, I do I do believe it's either Macallan or Glenmorangie. Um, cause none of the other ones I'm looking across at my list here. None of the other ones are popping out at me, but it could be those, you know, anyways, one of them, it's really cool. One of them owns like actual forest, you know, wood logging real estate in America. And what they do is they cut down the trees, they make their own barrels and then they lease them out to bourbon companies, you know, so they can basically fill them, use them. And then once they're done with them, they give them back and this company uses it for their scotch, right? Because again, scotch has to be in a barrel that's held something else for us rather than buying barrels. Cause a lot of, a lot of places will buy their barrels from Jack Daniels. Um, but, uh, but it's interesting though, because you could be the person who owns the barrels. It's like, yeah, they use them first. You leased them to another company so that they could use them for their barrels for their bourbon, but then you get them back because of yours and then you use them for your product. I just found that was fascinating. So anyways, there's your whiskey, uh, little whiskey tidbit for this week, guys, rye, bourbon, scotch. What's the difference now? You know, um, and, uh, my book this week, guys, from my pals at DK, um, I've been playing around with this a little bit. I'm, I told you guys earlier about static, the VR game where your hands are in a box and it's a puzzle thing. Well, I like puzzles. Um, I like solving things. I like anything that makes my brain work. Um, and this book is an awesome book. I saw it. I asked for it right away. They sent it right away and I started doing it this week. It is called solve these fucking puzzles. Uh, delight your salty gutter brain with hours of badass crosswords, cryptograms, and other mind fucks by Val Garrity. Oh, is that real a person? Val Garrity? It's almost like vulgarity. I wonder if that's a real person. Val Garrity. Um, it was really cool. 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 I'm sorry. Again, it's getting late and I've been drinking. Um, it has a really cool section. I'm going to, you know what? I'm just going to read it to you guys in the front. There's a few different quotes here. One from John Waters and one from Mark Twain and one from Richard Pryor. Um, but yeah, these puzzles all have like filthiness aspects to them, which, you know, I, I could take or leave. I really don't, but it doesn't bother me that it does. Some people be like, nah, I wish it didn't have, go fuck yourself. Um, so again, great book by DK. Um, this is the introduction. It says, if you go home with somebody and they don't have books, don't fuck them. That's from John Waters. Truer words might never have been spoken. If you never buy another book in your life, I'm glad you bought this one. Or maybe somebody gave it to you, or maybe you're borrowing it, but whether or not there's a potential of getting laid when someone sees this book on your coffee table or bookshelf or bathroom floor, and they remark upon the wonderment of it, you found a kindred spirit, kindred spirit, even if in friendship, if not in fornication. Then Mark Twain says, under certain circumstances, profanity provides a relief denied even to prayer. 
So words are powerful, they encourage, they appreciate, but they also infuriate, disgust, and rankle. There are no good or bad words. How you use these words is what make uh, those words real. Some utterances are best left unsaid. You can curse your boss or a deity or even your mother, but silently in your head from which they can't accidentally escape. There's comfort, though, in being able to express yourself in whatever way feels right to you. And finally, Richard Pryor, what I'm saying might be profane, but it's also profound. All the puzzles in this book have solutions that should make you think. You might see a lot of words you don't know or never thought you'd see in a book, let alone a puzzle book. But this free expression is how converse, sorry, is how con, I, was, I thought I was going to say how, I don't remember what the fuck I was going to say. So I can hear the, the, the little Roomba downstairs is distracting me. Uh, but this free expression is how conversations begin about the state of the world, the stupidity of humans and the stark opinions we have about anything and everything. Most of all, you should have fun to try and, uh, sorry, you should have fun trying to solve these puzzles and you should certainly be R O T F L M A O. Enjoy Val Garrity. I don't know if that's a real person, Val Garrity writing a book about vulgarity. Um, so this book is filled with all sorts of different puzzles. They do have what looks like, uh, a, a certain, like the, they have like a, like a lettered Sudoku as opposed to a numbered Sudoku. They do have a few word searches and stuff in here and a very few amount of crosswords. Um, but it's mostly cryptograms. So like ciphers, you have to figure out and decode the message. Um, literally the very first one is a quote by Chuck Palahniuk, which I didn't know because all I know is Brad Pitt said it in fight club. So the very first cipher, when I decoded it says, you are not the car you drive. You are not the contents of your wallet. You are not your fucking khakis. Great line from, uh, from fight club. At least that's where I heard it. Um, but great puzzles guys, great puzzle book, great puzzles, great profanity, um, I solved one puzzle. Like some of them are just ones where it's like several letters and you know that they drop down into the columns. You got to sort of figure out which way they go and whatnot. One of them was try not get the response. The answer was try not giving a fuck. There's a lot of power in that was the, uh, was the answer. Um, I don't know. Great book, man. And if we're all stuck at home, you know, it's something great. Solve these fucking puzzles. Delight your salty gutter brain with hours of badass crosswords, cryptograms, and other mind fucks. Some of them are even like visual puzzles where you, you got to sort of look at it and, and figure it out. I think there's a big section in the back with the answers. Great book, guys. Everything DK puts out, I, I absolutely love. I'm a fanboy uh, through and through on that for sure. Um, coming up this week. Okay. So sorry, before I move on, uh, dk.com slash CA for my Canadian listeners, dk.com for my American listeners, or just Google DK books and you'll find whatever local one for you. And you'll be able to enjoy thoroughly all the things that they have. Cause they got so much stuff, uh, to bend your mind coming up this week, podcasts, uh, I'm going to be doing two of them, or at least I think I'm going to be doing them so far. I'm scheduled to do two of them. I'll be doing a podcast on Thursday with an old uh, friend of mine, uh, coworker, Carlos and his co-host on Thursday. I don't even, uh, I apologize at the moment. I don't know the name of the podcast, but I will definitely plug it, uh, next week once I'm done doing it. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be doing his podcast. And then on Monday, my buddy Arash, who, uh, grew up with our families would share, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving dinners together. And, um, I, uh, I've watched him grow from a tiny little dude to, to fucking taller than me now, the little bastard. And, uh, so I'm going to be doing his podcast on Monday. I think he's moving, uh, I guess this weekend cause it's the end of the month. So, which is funny. Cause when he told me he was moving, I'm like, well, who's moves in the middle of the month? It is so far from the middle of the month right now. We're, we're, we're full steam into May. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's that. Uh, and I'm going to be doing more games, more shows, more books, more whiskey, 
all that fun stuff. Um, if you guys want to know anything, if you want to, if you want to share anything, if you want to fucking tell a story um, here's, this is an outlet for you, right? If you're bored, write me an email, contact the one man podcast.com. I would love to have you send it my way. And I would love to tell you, you know, um, share your story with other people. Again, remember when you send me an email, you're not just sharing it with me. You're sharing it with anyone who listens. So, you know, if you got a recommendation or if you're, you know, anything at all, uh, I would love to have you guys really would. Um, it gives me, uh, it gives me encouragement too, to know that you guys are out there and uh, you want to talk about stuff. So, um, having said that, thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope it was interesting this week. I'm just same thing under, under lockdown and letting you guys know what I got going on. And, uh, excuse me, I'm going to yawn in your ears. Guys, it's great talking to you. Um, I just want to say, uh, I know I say it every now and again, but I, I wanted to know how uh, grateful I am that I get to be a part of your week, regardless of where or how you listen. Um, I appreciate the fact that at some point during your day or your week, you decide, eh, I'm going to put on Josh's podcast. I'm going to listen. Um, it means a lot. I appreciate it. Uh, it gives me a bit of purpose too. So thank you everyone who listens. Um, and I will talk with you again. Whoops. Banging on the microphone here. Uh, I will chat with you guys again very soon.